pro at this now. Episode four. So what have yeah. you learned the most, like, through each episode? It's a lot harder than you think. Because for the past few years, I've been huge into podcasts. Lou knows. Like, I get made fun of all the time because I barely even listen That's to music, music anymore. That's like, I hop music. in the car, I'm listening to a podcast. It can be Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, even, like, the Bussin' with the Boys one I was telling you all about. Right. Uh, Taylor Luan and Will Compton. That's a great one. So we almost copied that same idea with them, which we could talk about later as well. But so listen to them all the time. And, and I'm kind of in my head like I can do this. Like it's pretty simple. But like I feel like the art of communication is a lot more difficult. Everyone's on their phones all day and you kind of lose that a little bit because you yeah. get the short little splits. Like a five minute here. You see someone in the hallway. What's up? But if you go on to talk to someone for an hour eye to eye, like that's almost a lost art. Well, yeah, for you. I'm a <laughs> See, y'all, y'all are old. <laughs> See, like, <laughs> I'm for real. Like, first years yeah. of Facebook was when I was in college. Wow. So, it was cool to be on Facebook. That was when I met. I was like, you have to be on college to be on this? Yeah. And it tells you if the girl's single? Yeah. <laughs> so, we was all about it, you know? And yeah. now, like, that blew up into, look at Instagram, yeah. marketing possibilities. Yeah. Different ways to make money now. Yeah, when I was coming up, I I seen I was in that generation that seen um, what what social media, what technology was doing to people, um, and so we were observing people standing in line, looking down, uh, observing people. Just oh, yeah. they just had to look busy, you know. And uh, yeah, you're right, man. It's a lost art. You try and approach girls nowadays, right? And, yeah. and they, right. I had to have a pencil and paper, like for real. Let me get, hey, let me get something to write with. Like that's how I grew up in the skating ring. Wow. Seriously. Wow. Like, oh, to, to get a number, you're yeah, saying, to yeah, get the girls' that. numbers, like, <laughs> right, right. Like you had to memorize everybody's phone number. Like you wasn't no pulling out your decks and wrote. Nah, you had to remember the yeah. phone number. Send them a page with the payphone. Stay by the payphone to get a call back. Just let them know to come pick you up. Wow, that because I went I went to unreal. a private school. I went to Ips. Man, it's crazy. We, we can talk about whatever you want to talk yeah. about. Because I've been around the block twice. <laughs> that's, well, like, that's tied with just holding your phone, like, and it was something I didn't really notice until my senior year of college, where, um, you know, like there were studies that came out where, like, individuals legit had problems just keeping their hands off their phone. Yeah. Right and. And then once you became conscious of it, it was something that I noticed where I was like, wow, like I'll be walking in between from yeah. finishing lift and then going to class. And I felt like I checked my phone seven times. And to the point too, where I always keep my phone in my, my right leg pocket and I can feel my leg vibrate, you know, to the sense of like yeah. the, the exact text message, you know, vibration that you get. Yeah. Um, and to the point where I'm checking it and nothing's going on. Yep. And so like my legs just like not used to not getting a notification of some sort uh, for, you know, over an X amount of time to where it just, my leg will just vibrate itself. Right. And then to the point now I know every vibration notification. Mm -hmm. Like I know the email, I know the Snapchat, the Instagram, like all those different ones. And they're very subtle. It's just like a different cue yep. of like how long uh, space is out in between a vibration. But it's like when you're conscious of it, it's really wild to think about. Yeah, they've, it's designed. It's, it's basically a portable um, slot machine. 
That's exactly what they. they yeah. Uh, I don't know. See the knows. documentary. The documentary. I haven't seen the documentary. Okay. Which one is that? I think it's the social, social dilemma. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Netflix. Yeah. That's what they said about the the slot machine. That's yeah. It was, yep. Well, they're literally designed to keep you addicted to yep. wanting more, right? right. So anything they can do to keep you on just for. And it's crazy because it's just designed to just buy like one or two more seconds of your attention, yep. but just to keep adding it up, yep. right? And then, like again, another just social or like a awareness. Uh, I had a set, and I just like it's cool that they track it, but you can kind of keep track of how long you use social media. And I was looking at the hours, like my goodness, yeah, like right. it was starting to really tally up to where I put like a lock on it. And I was like, I just want four hours. Like that still seems like a lot. And then there'd be days where I'm just like snapping through and it's like, it's not even noon yet. I've already hit my four hours and it's like, you, you know, do you want 15 more minutes or do you like, wow. Just I mean, right but to play it. devil's advocate. Okay. All right. Everybody's phone. We on it so much is bad, but okay. What if somebody was on a book that long? They could be reading on that. Um, okay. What if they're doing crossword, a real crossword in the back of a newspaper? Nobody does that anymore. They do it on the phone. Right. What if they're actually doing things to enhance themselves? What are they actually right. building their brand? Well, I mean, it's a it's a gift and a curse. It's like, you. It's, I put it like this. Every beautiful city, they got something great with it. There's something also just as bad with that good city. Right. Okay. Where are you going? However great it is, it's going to have something just as bad. And I think that's the phone. It's how you use it. You have to know how to use it because you can make an argument like you were saying with building your brand now as a student athlete. And it's different now than when y'all were in it with NIL, the name image likeness stuff hitting Instagram's huge. That's a moneymaker. Twitter, huge. You can develop partnerships off of just social media, TikTok. That's the new thing. So where do you draw that line where I want to be active posting daily or weekly or whatever you want it to be and it being an addiction because straight up we're all addicted. Right. But at the same time, there is benefit to it. So it's a strange line to kind of cross between the two. But it's certainly different than when y'all were in it, man. I mean, we're still in it. Well, so how, like you growing up, you were just saying like you have to write down a girl's phone number, right? So you grew up in a right. different age and then now you're developing into this new technological age. How do you feel like you're just as addicted as someone who's maybe 18 years old? Of course, I'm human. Yeah. I mean, if you got everything that can entertain you at one spot. I remember growing up playing peewee football. You know, there may be one or two dads in the crowd with a TV. And they can watch college football. Oh, snap, that dude's got a TV. We all got a TV now. Or one to five to ten people could have a camera, and it'd be that Polaroid that you buy at Walgreens. And now everybody's got a camera. So – it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Like it says how you use it. I mean, you can just let that just pass you by or you can jump on that train and use it. So yeah. it's what, it's what you use. It's what you choose. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's with anything, man. Like any tool could be used for good. It could be used for bad. When you see this truck over here on the street. You don't, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> if you just drive by, you have no yeah, idea what's, you going, what's on. going on. You just see a light in there. Yeah. You have no idea. Um, so definitely, um, Purpose, man. What, what's your purpose? What do you? You can use the phone for. Uh, obviously, you're going. You're a student athletes. We've been all been student athletes. Yep. Um, I was kind of thinking this when you were asking the question. Uh, so if I'm able to make, uh, not as good of an income as I would playing professional football, but if I can make something that gets close to that, do I still want to play football? Because I don't. I don't love football. What I what I always wanted to play football for was to that's what I 
That's all I knew. That's what I. That's what that was the the thing to get me out of the margins of 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 uh, being poor. Mm-hmm. And so now you have this phone. Now you can get on um, IG. You can you can generate like um, you can do your YouTube. Yeah. Generate uh, ads and stuff like that. Um, I was looking on the other day. Dude was making eight G's just from YouTube. Yeah. Oh, bro. So I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to eight break. G's a month. Yeah. 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 Well, I think before we dive a little bit deeper, how about you guys just give like, you know, the audience like a little bit of a a background of your guys' upbringing and where it all began. How far you want to go back? <laughs> Golly, we try. We try to go back to where I was born and then hurry no, up. We like, trying to go back eleven years. Nah, years, give give like years? the quick like uh, you know resume breakdown. All right, we go real fast. Graduated from University of Alabama in two thousand and seven. Roll Tide. Wow. No, no, I did not win the championship. <laughs> I did play for Saban. Yeah. Wow. But I wasn't part of the championships. But that was hey, his worst year at Bama. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I walked on, and he gave me a scholarship, so that's cool. Yeah, I actually talked to him, like, a couple weeks ago, which is crazy. Bro? Wow. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple. Like, what did he say? What I needed to hear. You know <laughs> it's all matters. You know, all no, no, like, we're going through times okay. in life, and you yeah. look. Well, anyway. You well, look. That's cool that he keeps his phone open like that for a past It's, it's not like that. Dude. No, you had to go through some oh, channels. Oh, you got to be, yeah, a, yeah, gotta gotta be a dude. <laughs> so I didn't say I was a dude. I just know people up there. Yeah. I, oh, I got you. I mean, I was a walk-on, and then I did become a captain, which is pretty dope. So my hands and feet prints are still at any time. So that's like, oh, yeah. yeah. But, no, I did not make it to the NFL. After that, I got into training athletes, and I've been doing that ever since. Uh, been in Dartmouth College running a pri- private facility. Um, I've been in the academies at West Point, Nebraska, University of Massachusetts, USC twice. A lot of spots so, all around the country and now i'm back at usc again and then i'm not in usc anymore just let me go but back in la making my next move probably back to where it all started back to nashville wow so that's that's just me in the past like we'll say 20 years okay coach chupo all right yeah so i'm from sacramento i'm from or well how do we address address your your followers what do we what do we call what do you call your followers <laughs> I don't know if we have a name yet for our followers. You could just say. That's important. Momentumites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that might catch on. All right. All right. What's up, y'all? I'm from SAC, um, up north, six hours north from LA. Um, played high school ball up there, Grand High School. Um, came up here 07, full ride scholarship, played for Coach Carroll and Coach Kiffin. Um, after that, I went to play in the NFL. Only had a short, short stint in the NFL. Uh, decided that that wasn't for me. Changed gears. Uh, went into acting. And um, right when I just started getting acting uh, established, that's when I I got a call from um, my old strength coach to come and help out and be a strength coach over here. Yeah. Um, and boom, now I'm here in L.A. I forgot Hell to say yeah, I'm married. If, if my wife hears this and yeah. say I didn't, yeah, throw that in there. <laughs> she came in there like, yeah, yeah beautiful wife, there. Elena. Yeah, you better yeah. Say I, I'm too, married bro. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta get used to wearing the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you better say something. All right, now you got that um, out the way. Okay, we no, good. I, I couldn't help but notice two of the best coaches in college football: Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. 
like playing for them must have been wild. Just I want to know about the culture they set. And I mean, that's a standard of excellence that not a lot of people have hit. That's perennials, you know, national championships, all Americans on those football teams. You see what Pete's doing now with the Seahawks. You see what Nick's done, probably the greatest dynasty of all time as far as college football goes, maybe in any sport, who knows. But two legends, nonetheless, definitely a blessing to have played under them. And I, I just want to learn more and, and see kind of what precedence they set. You want to start? You want me to you want to go? Go ahead, McDonald. All right. Coach Carroll, um, this is his philosophy, compete. He, he's all about competing. His very last meeting to us as a team before we left to Seattle, uh, I don't think anybody knows this, but word for word, he said, do you guys know what I've been trying to, to how I've been trying to train you guys? What, what what this is all about? Compete, win forever. What that what's that that's all about? I don't want you guys to go back to your neighborhoods and be good guys. I don't want you guys to be um, the good community guy that goes back and gives just gives back and is known as the guy who went to college and came back and now he's the good guy. I want you to compete in whatever you do in life, whatever you do, not just football, but it has to carry over. You have to you have to compete every day at everything that you do, and that's how you be great. Um, and so that was that was what he was all about competing, and it every day of 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 practice was structured towards competition. Uh, our Tuesdays was competition Tuesdays. It's just kill, just go out there and kill each other full speed. Um, Wednesdays were um, turnover, no turnover. Wednesdays, your main objective was not to turn over the ball for offense. Our main objective for defense was to get the ball out. Um, and Thursdays was uh, no repeat Thursdays, and the objective of that day was to don't mess, don't repeat any mistakes that you did on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Friday is leave no stone unturned. Friday, so you're going over everything. Um, game day Saturday, Monday comes around. Tell the truth Monday. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff that we can go into, but uh, I'll leave this with with SC now versus SC. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. SC now. I want to know this. Versus SC then. Yeah. We used to have yeah. these talks in our office. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. You don't need the juice. There's no such thing as juice. At all. And right now you see a lot of college programs. They're, they're, they're doing this weird stuff. They're having these kids jumping around. They're telling the coaches, hey, go, go do this. Hey, strength coaches, go and uh, light some fire or, or, or create a rock concert or something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Coach Carroll was on his coaches to get them to, to like, ignite us. In practice, every day in practice, the coaches would walk up and down uh, the stretching lines calling us out. Um, they would call me out. Hey, you didn't want to You didn't want to come to SC. You wanted to go to Cal, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll make fun of you. Oh, you're a four-star athlete. Yeah. Um, we had a running back on our team. Who, he, uh, his dad played for UCLA and, um, and went to the league. And Ken Norton Jr. was our uh, linebackers coach, and he called his dad out too. He said, "Hey, Mark." T- <laughs> well, it's out there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Hey, so so, hey, I'll, I'll run you over just like I did your daddy," and it, just wow. saying stuff like that. And uh, I don't know how that stuff would be perceived, um, yeah. like on social media these days. But yeah, it's, it's everything to get the player to be be that dog. You don't need to, to uh, like make it synthetic. You don't. You don't need to fake it. 
Right. But just, 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 just nudging I like that. Him, it's more us. organic with it's all the organic. players. It's organic. Yeah. When you say bring the juice, bring the juice, it's come not, on, bring the juice. It's fake. Right. Like I can scream and yeah, there's been multiple times in my career where I have spent all my energy to get rah-rah. Coach, come on, get them going. And then they do a touchdown for like 80 yards. Right. Like when was it Ohio State? And one was this past year. I was trying my hardest. <laughs> I was yelling, screaming. I mean, getting it. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, get ready to throw the water. All that. Touchdown. What? So, so what is juice? Yeah. Make the play. Well, what's your juice quote from Penn? Uh, you had a great one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. It was like, uh, yeah, like, are you a juice guy or a sauce guy? Right. Oh, I know this. Yeah. And so I'm be like, look, let me just tell you, like, how long does orange juice last in your fridge for? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, maybe a week. He's like, exactly. How long does a barbecue sauce or something like that last in your fridge? And he's like, that should last forever. <laughs> <laughs> he said, the juice comes and goes, but the sauce, the sauce lasts forever. It, I heard that. I've heard. So in other words, you need to bring the sauce because it's organic. It comes from within. The sauce always and with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like. Juice is temporary, right? Like, it's a 20-second spurt. They return a kickoff, and then it goes away. It's a facade. If, yeah, if you have juice, like, you're going to you look at your teammate left and right, and you're going to say, so what? We're going to respond, right? That, that's kind of what it seems yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, the juice is like a smelling salt, you know? That shit like works. a temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. You I must mean, that not live heavyweights. <laughs> no. Like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, hey, yeah. you, you sniff that yeah. thing, and you go there and pull <laughs> yeah. that word, you forget about everything in the world. But I, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I, I think there's like a perception where they think like that is going to be your answer for absolutely every scenario, right? But like you're, you're like, it's still you are the one that have built yourself to be in that position to go hit that like max rep. Or whatever, right? right? For that moment, right? But right. it's still like that whole buildup is still like the fundamental sauce, quote unquote. One hundred percent. I got you. I understand. Tubo's a big non-stimulant guy. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm just being real. Um, yeah. One thing in in acting is they always tell you be present, and right now the most important thing for me to do right now is to be present. Um, for an example, you can't live off juice, man. It's 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 not um, it's not ideal. And not sustainable, too. Uh, not sustainable. Yeah. So is that something, so you mentioned you know, calming guys down versus the whole rah-rah. Do you think that's something that a Pete Carroll-led team would have instituted? Um, that was that was hard because he is, being a competitor, um, there was this thing. <clears throat> we'd have a pregame hype in the hotel. We They would give us about 45 minutes to get out there and get our uh, get all of our butterflies out. We would go in there. We would completely wreck everything. If you think of the Wolf of Wall Street, that movie, wow, that's what our culture was like. Wow, but it was controlled. Yeah, you can you can act out. There's a saying: get you jacked up, or I don't cuss, so I just abbreviate. Yeah, so yeah. jacked up, s right. You don't have you don't be jacked up and s wrong. Jacked up, s right. F them up, play with poise. F them up, play with poise. So he gave us those 45 minutes in the hotel to just go crazy. And we would we would slam the walls. We would throw chairs. We were throwing bottles at each other, um, and it would, they just wanted to feel you. They just wanted to see it in your eyes that you're ready. That's it. And once once you once you see it, yeah. and if and if you don't see it in my in my eyes, it's your responsibility to come and check me. You need to come and grab my shirt and slam me against the wall and, and look me in the eyes. And but everybody's different. 
You can't just grab people and throw people against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Like, you got to have an optimal level of arousal. It's like you got to know how to focus on what to focus at what time. Like you can't get all hyped up about, oh, I'm going to be awesome in the fourth quarter and be like, yeah, when you can get your ass whooped the first three. Yeah, but generally speaking, that was the culture. It was all about feeling you. And so, of course, everybody was different, but it was just that's what the culture was. We want to feel you if you're ready or not. Got you. I like that. And we never even got to Nick Saban. We were oh, talking about. yeah. I forgot. I was like, yeah. I was, yeah, I was, I was yeah, all yeah, into Tupo. I was like, yeah, Tupo. Forgot what I was going to talk about. All right. couple things. It, remember, this was back in 2007 when he got there. There was no Heisman Trophy winners. He had not won a single national championship. But there's certain things that stick out to me. One of the first things I remember is he actually is a man of his word. I was a transfer. I went to a different school. I was a full scholarship, but I was continuing lied to. So the relationships, I was like, dude, if I'm going to get lied to and if I'm going to get treated like this, I'm just going to change my cards and go play on the other side with the big boys. And if I don't hit the top, I'm up there with the big boys regardless. Yeah. That's just how I felt. That's how I lived. So was there with Shula. I saw how he treated walk-ons. And then I was also there with Saban. And when Saban was there, there was a guy ahead of me. He was faster than me. He jumped higher than me. He was stronger than me. Dude was a freak athlete, but he was a notorious liar. Everybody on the team knew he lied. Like, we literally were stopped. Me and my roommate were stopped. Saw him at a, a restaurant. Saban would call him and see if he lied. Asked him where he was. He said he was at a different restaurant. Just, just lying for wow. no reason. He for was, no reason. But, like, you know, people like that exist. But freak of an athlete. Nick Saban said, I will never play you, ever. Wow. I was a guy who was on scholarship. I just did everything right. I just tried hard. And he hadn't got his recruits yet. So I got a shot. <laughs> <laughs> just put it like this. My first game starting for the University of Alabama. I'm a fifth-year senior. First game. All right, let's go. The guy over to my other side, I was the wheel linebacker. He's the Mike. It was his true freshman year, and he's starting. His name is Rolando McClain. Oh, damn. Wow. Just different yeah. people. Yeah. Okay? So that's one. He's a man of his word. And two, the recruits. Crazy story. Remember, this is before any big-time Alabama. Like, my senior year, nobody got drafted from Bama. Zero wow. people. Nick Saban's first year. That's a trivial shit for you. Yeah. Wow. Nick Saban's first year at Alabama, nobody got drafted. There you go. Facts. Check them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right, in, in college, my spot was the spot. You know, we had a studio in my apartment room. My roommate, I live with O-Lineman. They are the coolest people ever. Yeah. So they, we had the biggest screen TV. We was all about the video games. So we had the new Halo okay. multiplayer. I forgot which one, but it was dope. So I'm saying I was a former walk-on, so they didn't give me recruits. They just came to my house because they right. gave my roommates recruits. So I'm like, all right, cool. We kicking it. Everybody's at the party. Everybody's just, that's oh, whatever, pre-COVID, loving life. And then I come out, and there's this big-ass dude sitting on the couch. His name was Mount Cody. You heard of him. Yeah. He blocked the Tennessee ball. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, and then on the other side of the couch, can only fit two people, was this guy named Julio Jones. Wow. <laughs> all right, so, okay, all right, heard of y'all. Y'all cool, whatever, whatever. And then this other dude with this fat neck, like a thick neck. I was like, I heard you from Tennessee. What's your name? You, you a JUCO transfer? No, I'm 17. Oh, what's your name? I'm Dante Hightower. Oh, snap. <laughs> well, we know what he turned out to be. And then there's a small guy. I was like, okay, all right, whatever. 
That was Mark Ingram. So the recruits. That's well, they, we talked about with comp, competition. If you look at Alabama in these past years, where they produce all these people in the NFL, they have the most players in the NFL right now. And a lot of times, the defensive award winner will play on the same team as the offensive award winner. And when they go good versus good, yeah. right? They go. They're going against the best competition in them in America. Yeah. Why are the DBs getting so much better at Bama? You got to card those guys at the offensive offensive position. Right. That level of competition also raises your. You better get your ish right. Because you don't know if you're starting or not at the beginning of the summer. You could be an award winner in the winter, but in the summertime, you don't even know if you're starting. That's the level of competition that he said he was going to bring, and he did. I remember at my senior banquet, he like cussed everybody out and got mad because of how bad we did. I'm like, dang, this is a banquet, bro. This is it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, no, he was angry at that banquet. I was like, well, he's going to do something. That was in 2007, 2008. And then they went on, and yeah. you know what he's done now. So it's it's been pretty cool, yeah. you know. I'd be so upset if I played for Bama on the single worst year that Nick Saban had. And then, what, two years later, something like that, all the natties. Yep. I bet I bet everyone gives you that. When you no, say, hey, I play football it, at Bama, they're like, how many rings do you have? Right, 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 right. Well, actually. Up. It's okay. It's like, I'll put it like this. If I wasn't there a part of that time, who knows if I'd have been able to play? That's true. If I wasn't yeah, alive out. during that time of my life, yeah. like literally, I, I, I asked my high school coach. Uh, I was at one college, and I called my high school coach. I was like, I'm in this position. What should I do? He told me I should go the opposite direction, that you should go lower. Yeah. You want to play. I was like, all right, okay. Got on the road at 3 a.m. with my homeboy. It was like, I got orientation at 6. You going to ride with me? Boom. And then I walked on, went through all these trials just to try to figure out, all right, if I'm going to get screwed over, let me do it up here. And – I got blessing to play for Nick Saban. I didn't know who Nick Saban was like that. He didn't recruit me. It just worked out. But I ended up being his first senior captain. So and most inspirational player on the team. I yeah, did my I did, I did my I did prep. Wow, <laughs> I did get that. Yeah, that was. Bad How'd you get that? You were just giving speeches or what? No, I really didn't talk like before games. I yeah. can't stand that we like some of the things we do. And it just baffles me playing music loud before the games. Mm-hmm. How do you know everybody wants to listen to that? That's true. Like. You know what I listened to before the games? I would get so hyped. Like he said, if I threw everything around, I used to have an asthma attacks before games when I was little because I get so ready. Yeah. I listened to Alicia Keys. Wow. The song Troubles by Alicia Keys every game. That's your pregame song? That was my song. Just on repeat, huh? On repeat. Wow. To, to calm me down, to focus on yeah. this is what I have to do. This is my read. Because if I I've get you get all jacked, yeah. yeah. That's energy, y'all. So in the fourth quarter, you're tired. For sure. Or I'm calm, collected, thinking on what I have to do. He listening to his country music. I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. He <laughs> listening to hype rap. I don't want to listen to that. Yeah. I want to listen to Alicia Keys' Troubles <laughs> so I can let it go yeah. and go play ball. Everyone's got their own pregame. I was about to say, I don't think ritual. anyone likes to listen to what I was listening to. Or you I listen put on, to? I put on Screamo, probably. like Yeah. <laughs> I, I put it on, really? like, yeah, right? I, I listen to normal. So, like, I just generally, like, 
I have a long playlist and it it's like seven thousand songs deep. So I'll let it run throughout the week, and then an hour an hour before or the moment we get in the locker room to start changing it just immediately switches to screamo and i lock in for that next hour but i'm not it's still still contained until and i take it into you know when we get on the field and like right before you know coaches are like all right all the headphones have to be off and then it's just like it's a feedback loop in my mind until but I, I feel like just from like the person that I am, it's just like I can keep it all controlled. But sometimes it's too controlled for too long, and then like I need to get myself just so I I can have a a switch. And I guess would be almost the opposite of what yours was. It sounds like your switch is on or it can be turned on very quickly. Where mine is for the most part off, and then I need some sort of cue to where it's like it's kill mode now. You, you know? said a lot of things right there. It, was, it reminds me of some studies. I even had a presentation on mindset like i heard so many times get your mind right get your mind right well i had to sit down break it down what in the hell are you talking about get your mind right and it's all about like you said getting into the optimal level of arousal you also use the keywords there's certain strong keywords that you do or say to put yourself in certain moods Mm -hmm. there's also different breathing techniques and standing and breathing techniques that can center you onto actually where you are and it's pretty in depth to find the optimal level of arousal. Yeah. Everybody's different, but the keywords are powerful. Because if you're thinking about, all right, now it's time to explode, you say explode, yeah. explode. Those type of words trigger something, then yeah. breathe, breathe. Right. You know? I go through words, too, right when I'm about to go out there. Like, I'm just talking to myself. Right. Like, I'm literally, everyone's jumping around and doing all that other stuff. I always run down the end zone. I, I pray and everything right before a game. And, and then it's like, okay, I just kind of calm down a little bit bring it back up and now I'm just I'm literally just pacing back and forth just in my own world talking to myself like out loud pacing back and forth zoned and then it almost gets brought up too high to when I get out there for the first series I can almost jump over and then like an asthma attack like I have asthma as well and next thing I know I'm like it's only been three plays and I'm out here like oh I gotta chill and then I go through the breathing and then that was something that one of my mentors taught me and because you could kind of see myself going through that when I'm on the field kind of like early on in my career and he pulled me aside and was just like just take these breathing techniques it'll kind of help and then I would always do it but at least I started to kind of figure out that that was what was going on and then start hitting that all right like just gotta get through first contact and then after that it was like all right breathe get through it, and then I hit that optimal zone for the rest of the game. And the self-talk is huge. I just got into that last year, or actually oh, yeah. two years ago when I was at Vandy. And um, yeah, I got similar things as you guys, but like playing quarterback, you have to really trust your eyes because you do a whole week of preparation. And each game is in a, a whole different game plan, essentially. And so, you know, we're playing whatever SEC opponent, and they run these coverages. I have to be prepared for what we're doing. I know where I'm going with the ball. And I just have to tell myself over and over again, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for this. I'm going to ball out. I would even, <laughs> some of my friends even make fun of me. I'd be like, I'm a bad mother effer. I would just <laughs> tell everybody in the locker room. And then once I step on the field, it's go time. And then you were talking about, like, the whole mindset thing. Man, I even went up to, we had a sports psychologist at Vandy. And, man, I, I used the resource. Like, I went up to her, uh, I think, the Monday of a big game I was playing in. And I had a lot going on that week. A lot. They... Uh, for second spoon, the school of Vanderbilt, they asked me to to give a panel speech, so I was preparing for that. 
and this was one of the biggest games of my career and I had just so much stuff juggling and I'm like I like where, where can I find the confidence to do all these different things because the speech was on Friday and the game was on Saturday of course right so she said again like the a lot of the self-talk but also this other technique where once you cross the line you're a different person and so like I'm Mo off the field but then once I cross the line like on practice field I, I turn into a different human being almost. <laughs> it sounds weird, but yeah. I would I would watch yeah. these uh, these Baker Mayfield clips, and just his highlights and just his his mannerisms, him talking and the confidence that that Baker has, and that's really impressive thing. Him him as a walk on and winning a job at Texas Tech, like it takes a different kind of person to have that confidence. I always felt like, and so I was really trying to bring that inner confidence in myself. And every time I stepped on the field, if I made a mistake, hey. I'm the best quarterback in the country. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the next one, and it really rubbed off the team. And I think, I mean, those these mental things are huge, right? Like, it, I, f- I was a different player when I had that mental edge. I felt like. Did you beat Tennessee? I was hurt for Tennessee game. We did, uh, but yeah. the, the, team, the team, the yeah. team. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. So. Hold on, Pete. No, 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 no. So I went to Vandy too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So the year Lou was with us, we beat UT, and then that was three in a row. Yeah, he left, and I mean, he left, and we had a rough, <laughs> we had a rough yeah, few things, years against. We UT. went from the, we were the bowl game, or we had a bowl season, and then right after that, I think you guys won like two games. When my last year there, we won three games. Three, there <laughs> we go. won three games. I've always been a Commodores fan. Uh, That's interesting. Um, yeah, but we, like, like I went to Broad Academy, like Brentwood, yeah. right yeah. down the street. Yeah, and I've always been a fan of you guys, but just y'all, just don't come to. But there's not a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <of> those. <laughs> A lot of people who grow up in Nashville, they still become UT fans. Like, I always grow, grew up. Like, my sister went there. Oh, that just makes sense. I just had a passion of not liking University of Tennessee. Yeah. I just didn't like them. Like, oh, no doubt. Florida State versus Tennessee. I was pulling for Florida State in Tennessee. Yeah. Everybody's like, why are you doing that? I was like, because I don't like UT. Yeah, I feel I, like the whole, the whole city is, like, very polarizingly split. I mean, that's just how I would I, say it's I, majority Tennessee. No doubt. It's it's thick. It's it depends on what school you're asking in that in that town. Like Tennessee is thick, but they haven't been very dominant. So a lot of Alabama fans are now there instead of the Tennessee fans. They're still die hard in Knoxville. Don't get it twisted. Rocky Top plays real loud and annoying. Oh yeah. But they just haven't been very... Rivalry week, we just have the Rocky Top song playing all oh, on loop. I can yeah. hear it in my head. Yeah. Song, Three man. straight hours for like five straight days. You guys oh. play it during like practice? During yes. practice. Yeah. From warm-up to the final snap. It's awful. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> about that tactic. It's like this it, country it singer. It, oh, it just makes yeah. you hate it. You're, like, like, yeah. you're going to hate the song. I already hate it. You ain't got to <laughs> play it that many times for me not to like it. Yeah. Speaking of, well, going back to uh, Coach Carroll, yeah. he had this uh, another something about his philosophy, coaching philosophy was was uh, it's all about us. Don't worry about what you can't control. It's all about us. Why why would we play that fight song over and over and over again? Is that going to make me take on a double team better? Is that going to make me read uh, when they're in trips that they're going to do a toss? That is that is listening to that fight song going to make me play that play any better than? Doing my due diligence in the in the film room, rehab, um, getting my work done during the week. Like so, I, I think about these these unorthodox tactics to motivate young 
collegiate men and uh kind of, <laughs> I kind of question like what 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 are we doing here guys? <laughs> well, I'd what? almost be interested on like the other side of it like or from like the people that are like fueled from hate like would that almost you know lead them in that direction of trying when to do the When has hate thing? ever made you a better anything? Like for real. Like unless you hate that result so you you become passionate about getting something yeah. else. You hate well, then, so I guess the big besides question. Besides that, besides that, when has hate ever really been that beneficial? What fuels you then? Is it like the hate of losing or the feeling of winning? And is well, the feeling like, of winning? That's just tied like this book I read. Losing? That's crazy. So it's like the hatchet versus the treasure. Mm-hmm. It's, if it's ever this book, you've heard of those those, those two? No. Well, it's like all right. I, I'm, I'm I'm dangling out some money right here. Go get the money. Oh, I'm going to get the money. Or I'm dangling out this hatchet. Oh, you better hurry up. Well, all right, if somebody keeps doing that, you're going to learn to hate one of those so much that you don't really care anymore. With me, I think it's in the middle. Where's your heart? Seriously. What really fuels you passionately? Because if it's the hatchet or the treasure, it's going to die and fade. That's like saying... What's, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, get all the treasure, and lose his soul, lose his heart? What, where, where is it that really passion coming from to get things done? Where does passion really live? It ain't in the treasure, and it's not in the hatchet, hatchet but it's the heart. Mm. And so, like, with that, me ask, I got to ask you that, because Tupo said something that just hit me real quick. If you had a billboard, just one billboard on the 405, yeah. and you had one message to deliver to the whole world, and, tr- and rush hour, what would yours say? That's a great question. That's a Tim Ferriss question. I don't know where you got it from, but there's this guy, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> I read some books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Tools of Titans, one of my favorite books. Tribe of Mentors, also a great book. And that he asked all his guests that, that same question. And so I thought of this question, actually, when I was presented with this exact scenario. I, I had a billboard set up on in Nashville, Going into West End. Wow. I'll send you a photo of it, or we could probably put it up. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, like, when do you ever have an opportunity to put up a message onto thousands of cars? I thought, this is dope. And the, the reason why I had it is because we had a big fundraiser in Nashville, which ended up getting canceled because of COVID. Right. So the fundraiser is canceled. Now I just have a billboard. And they, they were giving it, to us, uh, giving it to us for free at this point. Wow. Um, just kind of helping us out with Second Spoon and the fundraiser and all that. And um, besides your brand, I put, besides I put, trying to sell something, yeah, what I, would you I put say the logo and I, it, it was an encouraging message. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was something about love and like, hey, we're going to get through this together. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll post it <laughs> so that uh, the viewers can see it. But it was, it was something along those lines. And I thought about it for a long time. I believe it was a, it was a Steve Jobs quote. Oh, I th- it had something to do with the journey. Where, where the I and I, that's something that I took to heart as well. Like the journey's the reward. Gotcha. Because I, I think it touches on what you were saying too. Where like, are we outcome based or process based, and and what are we yeah. working for really? Because you yeah. win a national championship, and you see even Nick Saban, right? He wins a natty, and he's not even that happy. Like he's he's smiling a little bit, but he's like, I mean, this is expected. This is the process, and we're gonna get back to it. Well, Someone, no, that's personal too. Because like, okay, I've been a USC twice. First time I was here, my tennis team won a national championship. I have a ring. Second time, we went from five wins to eight wins to a championship game. And then I'm fired. I had to ask God, why do I do what I do really? 
Because it can't be for the wins, the treasure, or the hatchet. I like that. My my billboard, it would say, control what you can control, let God control the rest. And because that's that's what you made me think of. Mm. That's that's what my <clears throat> billboard would say. Because yeah. it's just so much going on right now. I like that idea where it's control what you can control, but I think some people might take it to a fault. Where okay, I can see that. Where there's things that you can do outside of your realm where you don't believe you can control, but you can really affect almost. Does that make sense? No, then that, that like, goes against it. You you can go out of like faith without action is dead. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So I've got to get up and I've got to get out and I've got to take that step into the unknown. I can control me taking those steps, but I can't control things that are going around me yeah. without taking those steps. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying. But people might see that and be like, hey, I'm working hard and yeah. it's going to work out for me. And that's it. <clears throat> Let God take the rest. But I feel like there's a lot of things like how, how else can I be proactive? I'm going to work hard, but I'm also going to watch film with coach. I'm going to set up meetings. No one else is doing it, but I'm going to go out of my way and do it. Like, you know, those little I things. I think the foundation of it is just like you have to be true to yourself. Right. And I think right. it's a easier um, for athletes in a sense, or anyone that's in a structured um, environment to where you're being critically analyzed on everything you do to the point where you're, you be, you start to take that criticism and then make it even more critical on yourself right. to where you're truly evaluating almost to the sense where you're so worried about what the criticism is going to be when you go through everything that you want to be ahead of the game and really start checking all the boxes that you already know that are being evaluated. Right. And then at that point you start evaluating everything that you do to the point where you, you start gaining a, 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 like a, a broader sense of things that you actually can control or steps that are needed to try to get you to the most controlled state. And then you start evaluating like things that are truly outside of your hands. But I think that comes with just like a lot of self reflection and uh, time to yourself, honestly. And I think one thing that kind of helped me, you know, take myself to a further level was just like practicing mindfulness. All right. And I read, uh, I read a book like 10% happier and it was just going through like this guy's like just journey in a sense, but he just started out where everything was just out. It was just complete chaos all around him. Right. And he thought like really the only things he can control uh, were some of the basic needs in life and that's it until he just he started taking five minutes a day and it started to broaden out but to the point where he's like he could truly start controlling just like how he perceives things right but then like that's a whole trickle down effect right from just from the perception and how you react to it it trickles down and but like the point of like mindfulness is you're literally just starting to take note of every little thing that your brain is almost synapsing through your body. Right. Um, and I think just like that process starts leading you down to like the road of really, um, gaining a better understanding of, I guess that saying as a whole of just controlling what you can't control and let God handle the rest. What would you put on your billboard? Yeah. Well, yeah, I was like, I was like thinking about <laughs> that and I'm like, I think that quote is amazing into the sense where I would say like you can do all things through Christ, but I also think that ties into what you're saying, right? Like we can do all things through Christ, but it's almost someone seeing that from face values. It might be a scoff or a laugh, but I love that verse. But do you know what the verse before that says? No, well, not by heart. I have read it. It says 
I know what it is to be richer, and I know what it means to be poor. That means everybody reads that part of the verse, but mm-hmm. the one before says, I've been through a lot. Right. I have been poor and I've been rich. And through all of that journey, right. then that one comes. Right. And but that's that was gonna be the point of it where I was like, it's gonna be the journey of getting there to the point where you fully realize it. That's awesome. In, in a roundabout way. Which is great even, you know, getting further insight, but um yeah, it, I think it further just ties into what you're saying. That's awesome. And in these fields too, where we're at, you know, as a student athlete, like myself, right? I'm out for the year, boom, freak injury, compartment syndrome, control, you can control, I couldn't control that. Mm -hmm. I can only control my rehab or you playing for the Eagles, right? You end up, you know, you get cut. Yeah. Whatever injuries. Broken foot, broken wrist. It's Mm. like, I can't control my circumstances. And then, you know, y'all with this situation now, hey, I can't control it, but you know, why am I doing this? And that's what you brought up. What's the goal here? Is it is it money? Is it accolades? Is it this? Or do you want to be the best at, at this profession and as a person and as a mentor, et cetera? When you get to this point in my career, I'm figuring out just because you work the hardest, apply a lot of knowledge, do a lot of things to make value in your organization, you could do all that and be really, really good. It does not matter if you do not have the proper relationship set up. And that's what I had to go through. I had to play that game. Yeah. I, I went all hard because that's how I was raised. Find a good job. Use that good job to build some retirement. So I thought I found a good job. Thought I could build some good retirement. But then I kind of figured out the more knowledge I chased and the harder I worked in trying to get everything just so right. It did not matter in the end of the day because I didn't have to have the proper relationships established. So to me, I think relationships are greater than gold, and that's what it's all about now. Yeah. And what kind of relationships do I really want to establish? And what are those relationships? How are going to build them? Are they genuine? Like, that's where I'm at now. Because I, I, I thought the whole time, if it's about relationships, when can you actually develop a collegiate athlete? And in my opinion, nowadays, when you get to college, it's a little bit too late. You got to get them before college if you really want to train up a child in the way they want to go. So that's the same. You're talking about in terms of as a person or strength training and football training? Anybody can get anybody strong. That's really simple. But like when you're trying to develop somebody to give a little bit more that I can't go anymore. And yes, you can. The heart, not the treasure, not the hatchet, because you'll quit on those. Something to dig down in my heart and say, okay, I'm going to give my all because I know that dude beside me is going to give his all. And I'm not going to let him down because I am a part of this team. That is, in order to have somebody live life every day like that, to make sure that they're actually doing more for the community and being a good human being, is it too late when you get to college after you've been recruited? I, I don't know. Some people can build that. I just wasn't able to build that as strong as I thought I could. And maybe I have to go to a lower level to really develop and try to change some kids' lives. I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. Well, I think, too, that's what strength coaches are almost built to do from the head man, right? You're setting the culture. I think a lot of people don't realize how important a strength staff is. You don't think so? We don't create the culture. (laughs) We curate the culture. Okay. It's just like a garden. 
We're there to tend to the garden. We don't create the garden. We don't say we want carrots there. We want apples over there. But we have to take care of that garden to make sure there's no weeds, make sure there's good nutrition, make sure they got strong roots. So that garden is ready for harvest when harvest comes. We are not there to create it. We're here to curate it. Okay. So before we go deeper into the garden metaphor, uh, what would you put on your billboard? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Well, man, you will make me feel guilty because (laughs) uh, you said you could do all things in Christ. And I'm a devout Christian, but (laughs) I wouldn't put anything Christian related. I would, my whole thing, um, I was thinking I would put don't be a B. And I'd spell it out for (laughs) them. The whole cuss word. Um, that's, that's, that's me, man. D bab. Uh, yeah. It's called D bab. Don't be a B. Just that's that's my whole approach on it. If uh, if you're feeling like a coward towards something that you should be doing, don't be a B. Do the right thing. Don't <laughs> don't be a coward. Do the right that's thing. You. Say the right thing. Be yeah. good to, pe- to people. Don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> be honorable. Be respectful. Don't be a little. Um, yeah, a B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So, so diving into. This <laughs> 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 wow. ride down the street, like, uh, hey, bitch. Uh, hey, uh, get your attention for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was what you're thinking. You got it. Yeah. That'd yeah. kill all self doubt. I'll take a photo of it at least. <laughs> all right. So, so back to the garden. What, um, as they're going through this process, can you guys already kind of like have a sense of like, ah, that's a poisonous plant? You're saying before a lift? No, before they're a part of the team. Like you can through the recruiting process from a player. Yeah. I would look at it, like if I was a if I could do what a position coach would do and go and like and and look at the talent, investigate the talent because I know basketball does this, soccer does this, and football is the only sport that doesn't do this. They go and ev- they evaluate talent when they're children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd go. I look at where they were raised. I'd look at their tape from when they were young i look at how they move in the weight room how they bend you evaluate everything and then you you would evaluate like see if they have the killer instinct you talk to them you just 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 talk to them like this and you could hear it in their voice if they're a killer or not and um or you could hear that they're a young plant and you can develop them um but you you've got to invest the time and doing and your investigative work and that's just something that's not available to us in this profession I think oftentimes there's pressure to get all the five-star recruits, all the four-star recruits, and oftentimes I mean, those guys are straight-up prima donnas. Like I said, is it too late to get them after they've been recruited? That's a good question. Because if everybody has been on my dick and riding it real good, and then somebody comes to you and be like, I ain't saying no cuss words. No. <laughs> and, and, they, and, and they come to you, and they be like, what you're doing is wrong. How and and you, some of these programs treat eighteen year olds like they're already in the NFL. They're kids. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. Remember back when I was eighteen. Oh man, I was. It's been a long time. I went to jail for in college my freshman year just being stupid. We're kids. Yeah, I didn't have the same mindset. And if you treat somebody like they're an NFL or a professional when they need structure and discipline. You're not helping that five-star dude become a Hall of Famer in the NFL. 
You're helping that five-star dude be awesome in college, have a great time in college, and then when the real world smacks him in the face, fall apart. That's just what I feel. How different is it in the league, Tupo, compared to... Well, didn't you play in the league, Lou? Yeah. How many years did you play? No, I was... I was... I was picked up Eagles, and then I was like their first cut. Mm. But when I was there, and I had to hide everything, like right from the bowl game, uh, find out like during the pro day training and everything that I had a couple breaks in my foot. Oh man! But on and that was just indirect because we were just looking at some of the ligaments in my yeah. toe and everything. <clears throat> and then so when they did the X rays, they were. They were pointing out a bunch of other spots in my foot that they're just like, this is gonna go. Yeah. And then not only that, but my wrist. So and I almost missed my my pro day. And I mean, no one even knows. Like I I was in the hospital right during my pro day. I was in the hospital getting shot up everywhere just so I wouldn't feel it while I'm going out there. And so I almost showed up late. And I remember um the head coach, uh Vabral comes over and he was like if you would have missed this like you were you were off everyone's list wow. like straight up that? yeah it was like that would have been it and you and can't tell him anything like no, that the uh, i was just like oh yeah like jitters you know just like trying to get through it so i mean that whole process and i, I look back very fondly of it you know but it was just circumstances that i had to deal with you know all right well, what would you because i <laughs> wanted to cover that I, yeah well no i was just asking you in the league how different is that that same mindset where, like, you're talking about guys getting prepared for the league. Is that a shocker for some of these five-star big recruit guys at big schools who get treated like they're NFL players early on or too early on? Um, like, have you seen that? I wouldn't say. Guys coming in? That, uh, that we're not preparing them for the NFL? Yeah. Like, so you were with the Browns, right? Yeah. So did Johnny come in when you were out there? I was his locker mate. And okay. uh, I was, he was cool. We were, we were cool with each other. Um, respectful. But I would say this, um, that you can play as long as you want in the NFL, but there's going to be a time when you become a free agent, and then that's when uh, the nut-checking time is going to come. The, the time where you've been through some stuff in college and it developed you as a, as a person will come out when you hit hard times. It'll reveal your character. So you can play. That's what you want. That's easy. Playing in the NFL is easy. It's, it's you worked hard for it, you're reaping what you sowed, and you you've shot you've already expected the money. It's there, but when you get cut, and you're a free agent, and and you're, you're you go back home, and your family's looking at you with those eyes that they expected a lot more from you. Oh, huh. we, we we put so much investment in you, son. We, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why are you hurt? No, we pray for this, but you're a, you're a free agent now. Um. You're gonna have to deal with that crap, and that is that will turn you uh, towards either it'll turn you towards drugs, or it'll really get you to fall back on your principles, your your values, and bring you back up. Um, now, whether or not we can develop, yes, we can develop that in the collegiate world, but we don't have those kind of tools. The the, the head gardener has those tools, <laughs> and we, until he gives that to us, um, good luck. If you're if you're a collegiate athlete. Good luck. Figure it out. So do you think the way that they're treating, treating five-star athletes now is preparing them for that free agency? At certain schools. Okay. At certain schools. But um, I think at the majority of schools, like you were saying, no. I think that they are 
they're being buttered up so they don't transfer, buttered up so they like it there. Um, because as a position coach, it'll make you look, it'll certify your standing. Um, if you transfer it, it'll look bad on your position coach. Right. If you transfer it, it'll look bad on your your position coach. They're like, what are you, what are you doing? Why did Mo transfer? What, let's get you out of there. We, we brought in this five star. You're he's supposed to play, and you didn't develop him. It's your fault as a coach. You get get out of here. Well, the best example I could think of was your your locker room mate, yeah. uh, Manziel, and um, he's the guy. College station does whatever he wants. He's hanging out with Drake, LeBron, all these celebrities, Husband Trophy winner. And then, you know, obviously it was a rough stint. But from guys I've heard, great teammate, you know, great guy. And then on the football field, the preparation was a little different. Maybe he just thought it was it was going to be as easy as it was. I don't know. Uh, there's I don't know. There's a there's a number of things that you can say. You can you could uh, you can blame it on his position coach. You can say why didn't he come down on him harder? Why don't you expect more from him? Yeah. Hold him accountable for for his mistakes, for how he plays. I, I mean, I don't know. But well, if um, a player's making more than the coach, you really gonna listen to your coach? If he can cut you, yeah. Do you think Tom Brady? If you, you're making more than your coach, you think they're gonna co- cut your coach first or well, you first? Your contract's not guaranteed though, right? So if you're not, you could lose that's that money true. real quick. I mean, he's a first round pick though. That's what and I'm that's saying. That's not your mentality. So he declared early. He's probably 20, 21 years old. He's the man. If you're a first and round so draft he, yeah, pick, you're making more than your position. They coach, have to keep you. How too. much are you really going to be like the position coach getting your guts? And be like, oh, wait a minute, bro. <laughs> how much you make? Right. I mean, even even in my refreshing my, uh, strength and conditioning field, I like have been talked bad to people, and I'm sorry, talked bad. I've been cussed out by the best. Like, the best. I've been cussed out from the 50-yard line all the way up. Literally. I have been, and, and like, people talking crazy to me because they make more money. Yeah. It's just what people do. I'm like, and Tupo almost said, boy, don't let your paycheck get you knocked out. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a story for you. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm go done, ahead, man. I'm just saying, like, when it comes to that money and a little bit of that power, are you really going to listen to somebody who's, in your mind, inferior to get better, really? When you, I was like, I got here. I'm making three times as much as you. Why would I listen to you? I mean, I'm just saying. If you've been treated like this, I'm just saying. That's if you treated like that five star diva. That's like yeah. that's why Alabama. I mean, they got a lot of people in the league. I know they beat up when they get to the league, but it says something when Waddle is trying to play and everybody in the world sees the boy is still hurt, yeah. Yeah. but he is trying to say I can provide for this team. I'm going to compete. They treat their five stars a little differently than all these uh, some from some of these other five stars I've seen. I'm just be- going just based off that. Yeah, just based off that, or the center arguing with the quarterback, both five star about being correct. Mm-hmm. I don't see any divaness. I just see working because when you get that five star and you get them with the right mindset, watch out. So is this? Is Alabama filtering through the five stars they don't want, the ones that are prima donnas, or is the culture so great that they're they're just bringing in great talent regardless of personality and character, and then molding these men? Or is it a combination I, can't, I can't. I can't answer that question because I've actually I've thought about know, this. I don't as know well. how good how good of human beings they are. Their player development. I have good people that still work there. I just know I did see a picture yeah. where there was uh, 
Number 41 for the Saints. I don't know why I can't. Kamara, he was in this picture. Yeah. And it was like three or four other NFL running backs all for Alabama in practice. Yeah. So you got that kind of level. Derrick Henry, Kamara. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of them. And you're like, okay, we, we get it. And that's just it's one probably like You probably look over your shoulder and you're like, yo, I have three first-round draft picks behind me. If I do anything wrong, how Nick, much, Nick how Saban's much willing to play this guy. Yeah. Right. So how much does that prepare you for that free agency? Uh, <laughs> probably pretty well. Very well. Yeah. Or besides, uh, well, <laughs> I could skip everything. I could not show up. And I'm still going to play because, you know what, I'm the best regardless. I'm just a guy. How much are you preparing for his free agency time? That's tough. Yeah, you know, it's just. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. I want to hear your story too, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting yeah. for that one. Um, so coming out of SC, I was a free agent, and um, I had to sit out a year because of I had knee issues. You know, it's it's what happens. Um, so I do pro day again, and I get signed to Chicago. Uh, we're in camp. And the rookies had to walk up three flights of stairs to get to the meeting rooms. And um, I, I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> After a year of being home and away from the whole football culture, just being in real life, mm-hmm. um, that there was no, uh, there's no seniority in, in real life. There's no uh, veteran guys in real life. You right. treat people with respect. You, earn, you, that's, you give it, you earn it. Uh, then you'll give it. Um, it's give and take. So I just like, um, forget walking up those stairs. I practiced hard. I'm going to go in the elevator. And the rookies were like, hey, Tupo, man, you're crazy. I'm like, why? Why am I crazy? I get in the elevator and there's all pro, there's two all pro pro vets in there. And there's another vet guy in there. And one of the all pros uh, tell me, he, he says, hey, uh, Tupo, you're not allowed to be in the elevator, man. Rookies, you guys got to take the stairs. Like, all right. Like he looked around at his the other all pro guy and the other vet. He was like, What y'all gonna do about this? And they didn't say anything. He was like, Hey man, you need to take the stairs. I'm like, do it, make me. And <laughs> he looked at me and he was and then and then this was him. Man, press the elevator. We went up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two ball fight you. Hey, hey, I, I did the same thing at a, you know, when I was in Arizona. There was a there was a guy, a veteran guy, big money guy. Big, big money player, big investment. Um, I was playing hard. Got close to the quarterback. I beat him. And then I, I, I ran away to trail the play, pursue the play, and he just pushed me on the back heck of hard. And then uh, I, could, I heard the guy standing in back, and they were like, hey, what the heck was that for? I turned around. I said, hey, I'll talk to you in the locker room. I go in the locker room, and then uh, a vet, I think, is um, – Antonio Cromartie, he was my locker room neighbor. Oh, uh, no way. Wow. Yep. And he says, hey, Tupo, man, what the heck was that all about? Why homeboy push you like that for? I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to go check him right now. And he, <laughs> he thought I was playing around. Took off all my stuff, and I got up, and then it, Cromartie was looking around. And he was like, whoa, Tupo, we, hey, hey, where, where you going? And he starts telling everybody, like, hey, 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 it's about to go down. I walked straight up to this guy, um, and it was this was uh, a big money guy. And obviously, I was – I was a, I was a nobody. I was a free agent, um, but all the guys who were on the O line and D line had a separate area in Arizona, and they were all together in their locker. And I walked straight up to that guy. I said, "Hey, me and you, we'll go to the back room, and uh, we'll, 
we'll, we'll handle what happened on the field today. And we'll lock the door. And whoever walks out first, that's it. And then I call them out right there in front of everybody. Yeah. All the big money guys on the team. They just they looked at me like I was crazy. And then that was that. He was like, no, 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 no. Just, yeah. Wow. It, it was just, he said some stuff that I didn't want to hear. I was like, hey, whenever you want to do this, we'll go to the room, we'll lock the door. Whoever comes out, comes out. Um, and I went back to my locker, and that was it. But then uh, everybody else on the team, they were like, that's why That's why y'all don't F with polys, man. They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so we're, we watched the film with that, with our uh, position coach, and he seen him uh, give a cheap shot on me. He was like, man, y'all see this? Did you do anything? And so my, my D-line homies, they, they said, hey, you didn't hear? So they told him. He looked back at me and it was like it was like a, a nod of approval. He was like, "That's damn right." <laughs> Next play. <laughs> so yeah, man, I'm I'm all about respecting people, man. Uh, yeah. I don't care who you are, how much money you make. At the end of the day, you know, you're one, I'm, you're one move away. You're one move from bankruptcy. I'm one move from making a, a million dollars a month. Right. It can happen like that, and uh, you got to believe that kind of stuff. So when people don't. When they don't think like that, and you can see it, you can read it in them, and then I just, I just hope, like, man, I hope this person doesn't like try and test me, man, because I will, I will, I'll call his bluff. I'm ready. So those team hazings must not have gone well with you. No, when, you, when no. the rookies have to pay the bills at dinner and all that. Hey, well, make me. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> try it. Cause I'm, I'm competitive as heck, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm a dog. So like, you're not carrying anyone's pads. Not no, anybody's no, no. Hell unless no. you, unless you can make me. Yeah. Well, I like yeah. that. Well, yeah, they got your respect. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like, hey, I'm a. I came from that era, like the gangster era in the '90s. Oh no doubt. That's you. See, you, you grew up. You seen that stuff. So intimidated, and I tried to. Be, I tried to become that, like, like somebody, somebody feared, and um, like not afraid to to, to do anything. And that kind of led me toward, like, I, it's not my whole personality, but just to be feared but respected. I don't want to be feared, but, like, I want to give you the same respect. It doesn't matter who I am, uh, but I want to show you, like, the utmost respect. Right. Just because it's right. True story about this guy when I first met him. I was like, yeah, trying to get to know him. I was like, so who, who is your biggest competitor you've ever competed against? This man looked at me, a little pause. He said, Myself, I, know. <laughs> I was like, this dude's different. This guy's different. <laughs> this dude's different. But like, he's different. A, yeah, he just he's a different dude. But he don't take no mess. Yes, I've literally seen him tell a player, "We can go in that shed right now. First one come out is winner." Oh wow! Yes. And I, I told a player that I had no idea you, you weren't supposed to say this <laughs> because, I, like, uh, for me being on the team, like, I, I didn't see myself as a coach. I was like, man, one of the guys. I'm one of the guys, yeah, right. and. What you, your your actions are detrimental to to the progress of our team. Yeah. We can't have that. Somebody has to say something. Well, why don't I say something? <laughs> why don't I just risk it? You want to fire me? Go ahead. I don't care. But let's 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 call your bluff here. Yeah. yeah so wow. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be frightened if you told me that. <laughs> uh, do the right thing, man. It's just it's the hard thing. Yeah, man. yeah. But you can turn around your own circumstances yourself. You have yeah. the power to do that. You have the power, you have the courage to go and approach anybody and say, oh, this is who I am. I can add this this amount of value to your uh, to your business or whatever. This is what this is what I can, can give you. This is why I'm better than the next guy. 
that takes a lot of courage, man. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying, like, you are, you should be competing against yourself, not anybody else. I'm always curious with these kinds of things. Do you think this is something you were born with, something innate, or something that growing up, you know, either your parents or family, or even something at SC that molded you into this way? You're kind of like, where, like, what are the origins of? I think of it's this both, fierce man. competitiveness, you know. I think it's both. I, I'm one of thirteen. Yeah. Wow. Eleven of them are adopted. Same house. Same parents. Everybody's different, but you can tell that some of that generational curses exist. Generational curses do exist, and unless you break them, you will repeat them. Now you can nurture and get a skill of of influence to be able to influence people and lead people. But there are things in your blood that you have to overcome or that can help you succeed. That's just what I think. man. Yeah. Like you're over hundred percent. Right. Um, like growing up, you would hear parents talk about other people's kids. Like I was acting just like his daddy right there. Yep. I just, that girl acts just like her mom. She's going to grow up and be just like her mom. So yeah, there are some things that you were born with. I also believe in your kind of upbringing that you're born with. So knowing D, learning about him, he's the oldest. I have older brothers. I'm the youngest boy. I know how the oldest brothers act. And um, they're commanding. You listen to them or else, or else they'll set you right. Um, so, like, as a, as, a younger guy, as a younger kid in the family, I'm trying to see how much I can get away with. I'm trying to challenge their authority. Yeah. And just see, how, like, where, where am I at? <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I definitely, the, the dynamics of the family definitely mold you as a person. Right. And they give you those uh, intangible characteristics. Intangibles. You feel the same way? You're an older brother. Yeah. No, I I think I weighed more into environmental factors. But I actually, like, watched, uh, I was just going through Twitter and I ended up stumbling upon um, a video that was touching on generational curses and things that are just like in your blood that kind of, you know, it's just, it's part of the genetic code in a sense. But my, my biggest thought is just trying to figure out where do you draw a line of separation that can kind of, like he's saying, like not repeat the same mistakes. Right. And so I still kind of lean a little bit more towards environmental factors, but I mean, I think we've all seen the cases where, like, you can provide someone with all the tools and, you know, sometimes they still just don't get utilized, right? But at what point is it, like, maybe there was a point in time in, like, a real developmental stage of their life where, like, the genetic code just kind of took over and then it's just at a point of no return. And so it's, like, it's, I find it, I think you have the best kind of um, experiment to kind of go through. Of, I mean, you have 13 people that have all been raised from year zero. Is that true or is like what? Well, what it's just about trauma. Trauma t- plays a really big role. Yeah. Like however old you were when you had a really traumatic event, you start developing differently from that event. Right. Yeah it kind of retards you at a, at a one point. That doesn't make you stupid. It just slows down a lot of the mental development. Like mm-hmm. 
If you get scarred traumatically, you, you just you're gonna act differently. Right. You're gonna approach things differently. And a lot of times, these kids come from backgrounds where their parents were in trauma, and then their parents raised them dramatically that caused trauma. Let's just deep, let, let's let's be honest, guys. My grandma's grandma was a slave. Right. My great grandfather was a runaway slave from South Alabama, and they were sharecroppers. That means my grandparents were raised by people who were slaves. My grandparents. Right. Wow. So they're going to raise their kids, my mom, how they were raised. Yeah. Right. So that baby boomer, remember, I'm a little older than y'all, so don't worry about that. <laughs> but like the baby boomer generation was raised differently than this generation. This information age is booming. We see GameStop getting and AMC and all these apps and people going against them, that never happened in the 90s. Right. And we see all these movements happening and people, the whole world coming together because we're seeing things now. We actually, like, it's a different age. So the exposure of these new things is what's going to conquer those curses. Exposure is yeah. what really helps you develop. A lot of times these curses are not overcame because they're not exposed to anything else but that curse. Yeah. You expose them to that. You expose them to that. You expose them to other opportunities and put that seed in their brain when they're smaller. That seed can grow over time. But if they're never exposed and that seed is never given to them, they have no way to try to develop that. They only repeat what they see. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I th also think, like, if you're looking at, like, an infinite amount of branches and, like, the direction of someone's future and, like time is a running course right like a seed or i think it's so it gets very complex and just trying to explain this thought but like a perceived event for someone that might have been i guess we'll go some more apparent like seven versus someone that was five right like i think that can lead to two very different outcomes even with the same type of nurturing development that you go through so i think it's very hard to even you know, try to pinpoint the environmental versus the genetic and then trying to break the curse because I think just like the ongoing perception of when something happens is automatically going to be, it's going to affect everyone differently. Just, just based purely off of, I guess, where they're at in their development. Right. And, and then that just leads to a whole, and, you know, you start compounding that. And now you get way off course. Right. Right. So I, I think it's also like just very tough to try to provide someone with the tools that you know that's going to lead you to where or like where it brought you. Right. And then to try to apply that. You know, like I was saying, you provide everyone with the tools mm -hmm. needed, but it's almost like. Again, like the initial per perception of just those tools could just be so drastically different from someone else even trying to hold all things constant right i would put it all or not all but a lot of it's on opportunities and it goes back to the technological age that you're talking about in our first conversation with you can learn anything online now you can right. go on youtube you but can, we're playing catch up versus someone forward. else that you know just got i mean each day we're exponentially advancing our society right and yeah but no, no doubt. No doubt. And so uh, I don't know if y'all read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, but he points yes. to great book, right? Uh, he points to almost how lucky very successful people have been just because they've been granted 
very exclusive opportunities almost out of nowhere. So I forgot who it's this, you know, big computer programmer. I forgot his name, uh, big player in, in Silicon Valley. And if it weren't for this very specific supercomputer being at his uh, either elementary school or high school, okay. he wouldn't be who he was. Was it Bill? Okay, yeah. it was Bill. There you go. Um, and then they go forth, you know, successful person after successful person. You know, if, if you didn't play for Pete Carroll at USC, would you be where you are now? I don't know, maybe. And it's just like different people in your life, different opportunities, um, even objects like that computer can completely change the course of your life. And so, I mean, it just, it, it, it changes almost your, your lens on, on your outlook on life where so much, so much of it's luck in a sense. And you can't, you know, if that, if that computer wasn't at his high school, he's not Bill Gates. He's got exposed to it. Yeah, it's exposure, right? Opportunities, like, is what I'm saying. Right. And the beautiful part about this age is people are granted more of those opportunities. Right. Is it enough? I don't know. It depends on where you but, look at. Like, there's yeah. some areas where they you need to dive in and help them get those opportunities. Yeah. And you help them expose a little more. I mean, this, this pandemic, let's be honest. How many people actually got their Zoom working properly in the country? If we look at spots. Who was exposed to the higher grade of technology of learning and who was just trying to figure, well, we can get on the call, maybe. Well, to what degree is education, has it been deteriorated in in a public school system where a lot of kids aren't afforded great internet access? Williamson County, Tennessee is awesome. Davidson County, not as good as Williamson. Sure. That's, I mean, just your, your county, like... No, for sure. I'm talking about in terms of the virtual education versus the are physical you, Are one. you saying that it's, it's all yeah. gone downhill? I think I think you're you're right about that. Um, uh, my wife, she was on a Zoom call with uh, her professor, and he said that one school j- district, once they switched over to virtual learning, they lost 500 kids. Wow. Really? Yep. They lost 500 kids, and now they're the, the, the district or the school is sending people out to find those kids. Where are they? What grade is this? Uh, Elementary. I don't know what grade, but elementary kids. We lost 500 kids. We switched over to virtual learning. As in they don't have internet access and you can't can't contact them. I don't know. For obvious reasons. How many parents are like, okay, I'm going to force you to sit down right here? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing, too, because a lot of these families, low-income families, both parents are working the entire day. And so what do you do with your kids? Where's your office and area? There's to no put one to them. hold them accountable. There's, you know, internet access is shady. And so there's no one to to keep them on point. So it's tough. It's tough. I want to go into uh before we leave your your acting. I think it's pretty dope. I haven't even asked you much about mm. it. And I was just curious overall, is this something you always wanted to do? <clears throat> or, you know, like when when did you realize, hey, this is a really cool opportunity? Yeah, it's just growing up, man. The seed was always in me. Uh, I grew up watching uh, Arnold and Conan, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Uh, I grew up watching all the the immigrants who came to America and made something, were the biggest names. They made it. And I thought to myself, uh, I I always, like, loved what they did. Um, And so my journey really started with the NFL. Um, I dreamed about going to the NFL. Lou, you you know? Uh, well, we all know we dream yeah. about going to the NFL, but I had no plan when I got to the NFL. I had no plan in my my head like, all right, now that when I get to the NFL, I want to play for X amount of years. Um, I wanna I wanna at least become a Pro Bowler like three times. 
Um, I didn't have no plan. I had no financial plan at all. I didn't know how much I was going to get. Once I, I got my first check, man, that mug, I never, I had no, I had no skills on how to deal with money. So I just started giving it away. And I was only comfortable making a college stipend. So I was trying to get down to my comfort level because I so I had no idea what to do when I got to the NFL. Um, when I was when I was at Cleveland, I found myself just going to practice every day and lifting weights and watch, just watching film. And I come home and it's about three o'clock and I'm thinking to myself, um, I don't feel like I've done anything today. Wow. I just pressed fast forward on my life. Wow. I can if I can do this for free if they really wanted me to. They don't have to pay me. I'll just go. I love watching tape. I can watch that any time of the day. I can break it down. I can watch infinite tape. I can go and lift weights and run because I love it. and I, I love the smell of grass. I love hitting. I love it all. But nothing was challenging me. There's no challenge to it anymore. And so I thought to myself, you know, don't do something else. What, what would challenge me? And so I, I looked at acting. Um Obviously, financially, it'd be great. You know, that's you'd be top dog in America, but you can also leverage that for something else, which which that's the the goal in the end. But also, um, to be able to use my personality, I've always resorted back to the warrior guy for the football thing. Always cueing myself, like getting into that to survive. I would always tell me tell myself to do that stuff to perform. I'd get myself into that state to perform to survive. But what would it look like to not do that? Just to use something on the inside and to to use that skill. Um, and so I just started rock bottom, man. I just didn't want to play football anymore. It was yeah. it's not a challenge to me anymore. I want to go do something else to challenge a different part of me. And it's just it's great, man. I'm struggling. I'm, um, but I'm growing, man. I'm I'm growing. The man in the mirror is tra- changing. Um, and I'm really happy about it because the path that I'm that I'm on, man, it just makes sense. We were speaking earlier about manifesting, like what you your your destiny, kind of. Um, and that's just what I did. I I told myself I wanted to be an actor a couple of years ago. I said I was going to go down to L.A. and move, live in my truck. Uh, something happened where I was praying to God, and then He gave me a different route. I stayed up in uh, Sacramento for like two more years, and boom, out of nowhere, I get this call. Do you know how many people are in this 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 field, strength and conditioning job? That they don't—they're not just sitting on their couch. That I had nothing. I had no experience at all. I was not certified. Nothing. <laughs> wow. My only thing was that uh, I love to train. Yeah. And that's what my boss uh, resorted. I think that's what he trusted me, giving me this job was that. My love for for the weights, for running, and all that would eventually um, it'll cover for itself. I'd do everything um, to become like certified. Right. Um, but but now I'm here. Like my initial goal, I'm here, and everything feels right. Everything just feels right. I'm in a perfect position to leverage myself towards an acting career, and. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's that's that. I mean, if you want to talk about like technique and stuff like that, we can <laughs> shoot it up. Doug, what what do you do for training? Because if you want to become a faster, stronger guy, you go in the weight room and you yeah. do speed training. What do you do to be a better actor? You gotta you gotta read scripts. 
You got to watch movies. You got to watch TV shows. And it, you're not watching it. You got to watch it with different eyes. Right. Like you're looking at somebody. You're looking at how they deliver lines, their voices. Um, when I'm reading scripts, mainly Shakespeare, man, because every, every great actor does Shakespeare. So I read Shakespeare. Um, never acting the words. You're trying to figure out what, what the hell the, the, the writer's saying. Like, what the hell is the author saying? You read these words, and then you're trying to give it real. Like right now, I'm speaking to you guys in a real cadence and making good eye contact with everything. This is the best actor in the world can't do this. This is real, and this, we're trying to do this, but it's really hard. So there's different techniques um, with the camera about how to position yourself to make yourself look, make the picture look good. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> how do you make yourself look good? Too? Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm. I'm just being 100% like real right now. I don't even want to like acknowledge the camera, but just being real. That's what my teacher was telling me. Once, once people see your realness, that's what they'll pay a movie theater ticket for Mm. to see your realness. They're paying for you to go and inspire them. And any football can just cannot do that. The football, they don't show football in the Philippines. They don't show football in the freaking, um, slums of, 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 of Africa but they'll show movies like they know who Rambo is right. <laughs> like you know yeah. my parents were in uh, my, my great uh, my grandparents they don't speak English but when they they know Rambo they watch the movie and they know Stallone and like football can never bring me that but Hollywood can yeah it sounds like you can influence people on a greater scale 100% for sure rather than football football is just American I saw something uh, Tom Brady, 9 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. That's a lot. You saw the same thing? Uh, guess how much Ronaldo has. Cristiano 50. Ronaldo. 200? It's like 250, something stupid. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't have thought of before. I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, sheesh. It just kind of puts scale into perspective. Wow. But, no, I think that's cool because a lot of people, for sure, you get really good at something. Like, you're in the NFL. You're top 0.5% at short craft. That's something to be very proud of. Play D-line in the NFL, it's a huge deal. And then, not necessarily to say just drop it, whatever, but to say, okay, let me start a new craft that I know nothing about and start from zero. And there's going to be growing pains, and that's okay because I'm going to keep getting better every day, and I'm going to get knocked down and just get up. Uh, that's a very, I think that's a very powerful message because a lot of people, they just want to do what they're good at and keep doing it because it feels good. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure your first, like, month or two acting, probably even still, right, because people have been acting their whole life. And so you're trying to reach uh, a level that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio sets. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell, you, tell you straight up. Um, when I went to Chicago, uh, they signed me to an active contract. I was on the active roster, and I see my first paycheck. Uh, after taxes, I was getting paid fifteen grand a week. Wow. still have those paycheck stubs <laughs> at the house. And um, it changed everything. But to walk away from it, I thought to myself, you know, I don't want 15 grand a week. I think I want a million a month. Give go. me that. Yeah. Give me, you know, The Rock, right. 20 mil a movie? Give me that. And he probably makes two movies a year. That's 40 a year. Yeah, that dude makes like eight a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, He's a grinder. Yeah. Oh, he's not, he's <clears throat> built different though, right? Because I think he has that football mentality, which you can bring. Yeah, uh, Kevin Hart too. I don't know if he's been an athlete, but, but I'm, ju- I'm just yeah, saying, no like, like, why settle for less? Why don't you just go see what the heck you I can like do? That. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm Mormon. I'm of the LDS faith. When I was in uh, playing for the Cardinals, I went and seen uh, 
one of the leaders of our church, his name was Elder Todd D. Christofferson, he was speaking. When you're called to the, to the office of apostleship, you have to drop all of your work and every single breath of life is dedicated to, towards advancing uh, the Lord's church is everything about it. You're, you're, that's your job for the rest of your life. I mean, obviously you get a stipend, but that's it. Whatever you did professionally is over with. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy who was uh, like introducing him was saying, oh yeah, he was on the board of some bank and, and this and that. And I was like, dang, he was a big money guy, big, big smart guy and stuff like that. And I was thinking, to, and he came up, Elder uh, Christopherson, he came up and he said, you know, as I listen to you tell about my life, I think to myself, um, I kind of regret not doing more. Because once you're called to that calling, you can't go back and, and become a business guy or whatever. And so I think to myself, man, you know, we're on earth for such a short time. Yeah. Let's, what the heck am I capable of? Yeah. Give it a shot. That's dangerous. Let's shoot for the moon. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's go for it all. Yeah. I love that. You realize you have a finite amount of time. Yep. I know there's people that have put on their computers. And it sounds weird, but there's very successful Wall Street, VC, Silicon Valley type dudes that put in the top corner of their screen a countdown to death. Have y'all heard of this? No. So you log on to your computer every day and you see, hey, I've got X amount of minutes left. I better get to work. I kind of like that. But yeah, man, that's 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 kind of what fuels me. Yeah. Like I'm I'm trying to see what else can I do. Like I I've got to the NFL, yeah, but if I got over that mountain at such a early age, shoot I need to shoot for something bigger and harder for me to do. Yeah. Uh, like, I want to compete. That's what, that's what I'm, that's Yeah, it goes plan. back to the Pete Carroll compete. <laughs> yeah, but that was, I yeah. was already com- was a like competitor that. before, uh, being a, the youngest child, being beat up by the oldest brothers. Yeah. Like, um, I grew up with that, but that's just my outlook on, on things. What can you do? Like, obviously, maybe you guys become really successful in this. Do you want to stay at the top or do you want to find some other higher mountain? Are you, are you confident enough? To go and take the top dog off at another mountain. Right. Let's say you want to do radio. Let's say you want to do something else. Yeah. You think you're confident enough to go take down like like Howard Stern, and uh, be the top. <laughs> this is the strength coach talks we have all the time downstairs. For real. Like people will come in there all the time. Pika, Kyle. We talk like this. This is something we used to do every single day. Just talk about life. That's awesome too. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this is. You gotta believe in yourself, dude. Like self doubt. Yeah. Self doubt. That's what the D was telling me this week. He said, Man, it's I'm having a hard time and it ain't even nobody else. It's me. I'm yeah. trying to convince myself. <laughs> you gotta D, you gotta Which was it. crazy. I did my Bible verse I read this morning is God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I just gotta keep repeating that. He did not give me the spirit of fear, but he gave me one of power. So like it's weird, man. Like, all the things you guys are talking about right now is kind of ironic. That's exactly what I'm going through. That's crazy. I'm literally stopping a career that I've done for the past decade and jumping into something brand new. Brand new. And it is terrifying. Yep. But you know what? I like. I, it's crazy, man. After I got fired, I cleaned out everything. And one of the janitors, not janitor, he's an equipment manager named Chris. You know what I mean? We get to know the small guys because yeah. they're funny. Yeah. I haven't talked with him. And he was... I saw him, like, I got fired. He was like, what? You got what? He looked at me. He was like, look, five years from now, you're going to look and be like, this is the greatest day of your life. Absolutely. So, you know, I, yeah. you know, no, I don't know what's going to happen. Hey, DM the coach. That's my new Instagram. <laughs> it's going out. 
DM the coach. I like that. It's kind of catchy. I like that. All right. So where can we follow you for for those listening? Your your IG handle, your Twitter. Um, we'll my, end on that note. Yeah, IG. I, I, Sheriff Sheriff Tupo. Um, it might change. That was my strength coach handle. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We're gonna make a new one. DM the coach. I'm gonna DM keep the repeating coach? it. Yeah. That's me. Mo will display it on the bottom screen. Yeah, yeah. It'll look good. It'll look good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or there's, I appreciate there's, there's nothing up right now, but it, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll it's be I got the name right here. I got the name. That's about <laughs> it. I present it. Yeah, I appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate that was a great guys. combo. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks Thank for coming out, man.